Welcome to Let's Talk Seniors. Thanks to Anglican Care with Kylie and Michelle. Anglican Care, we're not only social on the bowling green. Find us on Facebook too. In today's episode, Michelle and I welcome back our very special guest, Dr. John Ward, and we're talking about a really interesting topic about whether or not seniors are taking too much medication. So if you're jiggling when you walk, today's episode's a good one for you. Dr. Ward is a prominent geriatrician in the Hunter region and is known for his genuine commitment to the health and well-being of seniors and their carers. He is committed to a collaborative approach to assessments and understanding a person's individual situation. And Michelle and I just love talking to him. He's also a very popular guest speaker for seniors, so we welcome him back today. Thanks for joining us, John. Um, Kylie and I both want to know, should we all be concerned about the, the number of medications that seniors are taking? I think so. Not to the extent where you stop medications that you need to take, but I think it's always valuable on a regular basis to check with your doctor and go through your medications and make sure you still need each one or you need it in the dose that you're taking. Often it's a matter of reducing the dose or perhaps stopping the medication. Unfortunately, a lot of times medications get started and never get stopped. And the other big problem, of course, is that most older people are seeing multiple specialists who start their own medication and aren't really looking at the medication that other doctors are prescribing. And so, John, is that something that you would instigate yourself with your GP or is that something that they would instigate? And also, are they aware of the medications that your specialists are prescribing? They would certainly be aware of the medications that the specialists are prescribing, but I think it's valuable every time you go to a GP to take your medications with you. That's a good tip. Yeah, that's very valuable. Including your over-the-counter medications. Now, they wouldn't be knowing about the things that you are buying from the vitamin stores and the -the over-the-counter stuff, so it's valuable to bring those. Because many of those, of course, have components in it that interact with the medications that doctors are prescribing. I'm an avid vitamin taker. I think I literally do jiggle as I walk. And so we wanted to get your opinion on using supplements and can they affect the medications that you take. So you're saying yes. I'm not sure whether vitamins will, although Mm. certain vitamins, for example, interact with anticoagulants. So people who are on blood thinning Mm -hmm. tablets need to be very careful about taking, say, vitamin E, for example. Okay. But a lot of people will go to the health food store and get something like St John's Wort for their depression or sadness. And, of course, it has the same active components that are in antidepressants. So if the doctor doesn't know that you're taking St John's wort and prescribes antidepressants, that can kick you over into an overdose situation. Okay, that's good to know. I think most GPs are now aware of the issue of what we call polypharmacy, Mm. but whether they would have the time necessarily to go through your medications Mm. each visit, but I, I think if you could schedule, say, a visit every six months to review your medications, that would be mm. very valuable. And so, John, that we just touched on vitamins, but I'm presuming that you're talking about over-the-counter medications. Yeah. Yes, okay. So, for example, I, I know you can get non-steroidal anti-inflammatories now over-the-counter, um, which, which is sort of disguised as pain-relieving tablets. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, of course, have significant problems for your kidney and for your gut, um, but also antihistamines that you can buy over the counter. And antihistamines are a really powerful drug for older people, Mm -hmm. impairing the brain, the bladder, the eyes, the bowel. Uh, And so that's one 
drug that you really need to let your GP know that you're taking. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't think a lot of people out there would think to tell their GP that because they're pretty common things for people to take antihistamines, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay, good to know. Thank you, John. Are you ready to downsize your home? You're done with the endless maintenance and mowing the lawn? With Anglican Care's Retirement Villages, you can relax and live amongst friends carefree. Discover how at anglicancare.com.au. John, what are some of the side effects seniors can experience when they're taking multiple medications? Probably the, one of the commonest side effects would be lightheadedness when you stand up, what we call postural mm-hmm. presyncope or postural hypotension. Now, the reason that occurs is because people are often taking multiple medications that drop your blood pressure when you stand up. Mm -hmm. They might be taking a fluid tablet. They might be taking a couple of blood pressure tablets. They might be taking drugs for their bladder that contain these drugs that drop your blood pressure. So you've just got to go through all the medications and see what Mm. you're taking, but also measure your blood pressure lying and standing, which isn't often done. Okay. And is that something you could ask your GP to do, John? Yes. Your GP probably is more likely to do it sitting and standing. Yes, yeah. But really it ought to be done lying and standing. Okay. If you have a problem with blood pressure, I think it's really valuable to get a home blood pressure monitoring machine. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to the doctor, usually your blood pressure is a bit artificially elevated, yes, what we call the white coat effect. Yeah, a bit anxious. And <laughs> unfortunately that can induce sometimes the addition of further medication and then when you're at home and relaxing, your blood pressure can yeah. be much lower. Okay. So it's much better to sort of approach high blood pressure like you approach diabetes mm. and measure your blood pressure regularly at home and take record those readings in a book and take them into the doctor. Mm. That's a much safer way of managing high yeah. blood pressure. I'm just going to go off track here a little bit. Is that a common thing in seniors, high blood pressure? Yes, it, it's very common. Yeah. Blood pressure tends to rise as you get old, particularly mm. your your top blood pressure reading, the bottom blood pressure reading doesn't tend to rise as you get older, but the top one does. But other tablets can increase your blood pressure. Okay. Going to the doctor and being anxious can mm-hmm. increase your blood pressure. You've got, so you've got to be very careful. It is a real problem. Okay. And, and, and not not a an artificial, artificial sort of reading. Okay. And having a high blood pressure, that's obviously another risk factor for having a stroke. Yes, you, it, it's important to treat high blood pressure. Mm. And we know from the studies that are done that the, if you reduce blood pressure, that reduces your risk of stroke and heart attack. And it's important in diabetes to keep your blood pressure low. But on the other hand, you've also got to be aware of quality of life. And if getting your blood pressure down at sort of very low levels means you, you're lightheaded half the time and you're not mm. inclined to be active and you're not enjoying life, yeah. maybe you don't It's always that be, balance, isn't it? Get, get that balance. Yeah, yes. absolutely. You've spent a lifetime creating a home. It's where you belong. As you age, Anglican Care's home life can help you remain happy and independent in your very own home. Find out how at anglicancare.com.au. And so, John, can seniors make changes to their lifestyle and reduce their reliance on prescription medication naturally? I think this is, again, something that should be discussed with their GP. Mm-hmm. But, for example, one of the common problems that we see in older age is type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And this is really a lifestyle problem. Um, if people would, it's a problem of being overweight, having the right diet and not being physically active and fit. And if people would just change their lifestyle, mm. get their weight down a little bit, get onto a sensible diet, keep up a high level of physical exercise, not mm. massive, but you know the one that we were talking about previously in yep. the 
the muscle episode, um, then a lot of people would come off much yeah. of their uh, diabetic medication. In fact, it's been shown in many studies that if you take a group of people who are what we call um, impaired glucose tolerance, mm-hmm. that is, they're just a pre-diabetic, they haven't got true diabetes, mm-hmm. but they're on their way to diabetes, and you put them into a lifestyle program of correct diet and physical activity, you can prevent two-thirds of those people over oh. the age of 60 from mm-hmm. going That's on incredible numbers. Over three, after three years, yeah. I mean, given how prevalent diabetes is in our community and the cost to our health system, it's crazy that we're not running lifestyle programs for people who are pre-diabetic. Yeah, absolutely. Do you see that happening more in the future, John? That It would be nice to think so. <laughs> yeah. Legs 11, bingo. You found the perfect podcast for you. Rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen. So if someone out there is listening and thinking they would like to maybe review their medication or at least see if they could reduce it, is the first step going to their GP? Yes, I think it's going to the GP and looking particularly at those medications that you're inclined to be left on forever. For example, drugs that we give people for reflux and heartburn, Mm -hmm. what we call proton pump inhibitors, people tend to get left on those drugs. We now know they're probably better used just episodically when Mm -hmm. you have a problem. But the problem with those drugs is that they deplete completely your stomach acid Mm -hmm. and they inhibit the absorption of a whole lot of valuable micronutrients like iron, calcium, B12 and so on. Other drugs that you really want to have a close look at are the powerful pain-killing drugs and any drug that affects your brain, um, drugs that you've been given for depression, Mm -hmm. sleeping or other things that are affecting your brain. And just think whether you really still need those drugs or the dose can come down. Mm -hmm. So, John, of the seniors you treat, what percentage are able to reduce their medication needs and by how much do you think? It's a pretty broad question. Well, I guess the people I see in my clinic tend Mm -hmm. to be on a lot of medication because they're at this sort of frailer end of the Mm -hmm. um, range. So that wouldn't be necessarily the same for GPs who are seeing a whole range of Yeah, sort of younger seniors, I guess. But for the ones that I see, I think pretty much everybody could... Mm come off or reduce the dose of at least one of their medications. If you're only on a couple of medications, it's not such a big issue. But if mm. you're on five, ten or more, mm. then I think it really does become a big issue. Absolutely. Five to ten mm. seems like a massive number, doesn't it? It's Josh? difficult for GPs because mm. they feel, how can they stop the medication that some specialist yes, has started? I can imagine, But yeah. I think GPs are in the best position of knowing the whole mm. patient. Yeah. And being able to look at the range of medications yes. that we're taking from all their specialists. Yeah. And of course, you know, this is where geriatricians and nurse practitioners can help here. Yeah, and I guess it's that holistic um, view of the person as opposed to a specialist looking at, at mm. one specialty. Okay. And finally, John, if there's, uh, what, are your, what are three of your top tips for someone who's out there wanting to decrease the number of pills on their bedside table? Lifestyle-wise, what are the three top things you would suggest they start doing? Well, I would say that physical exercise is probably number one because that's going to reduce your dependence on drugs for your blood pressure, for your diabetes, for your depression, for your sleeping. Reducing your weight would be very valuable because that'll help you get off your diabetic drugs and having a sensible diet and also avoiding things that you really shouldn't be eating Mm -hmm. or drinking or smoking. They would be the 
Yes. So, John, this might be a really silly question, but if you have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, can you reverse that through exercise and diet? Kylie, there are no silly questions. Okay. (laughs) I feel I have asked a few over the years, John. Only silly answers. But, yes, a lot of people with early type 2 diabetes could get off their medication yeah. by a lifestyle change, probably as many as three quarters. Okay. Um, now, we're not talking about type 1 diabetes. No, I know that's a different ballgame. We're not, ball we're not game. talking about type 2 diabetes that's gone on to deplete your pancreas and yeah. be insulin dependent. Mm. But people who have just early type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. or pre-diabetes, impaired glucose tolerance, mm-hmm. uh, who are overweight and not exercising eating the wrong diet, yes, many of those could come off their medications. Yeah, fantastic advice. And I think anyone loving today's podcast definitely needs to go and listen to the other podcasts that we've done with John about keeping your muscles and keeping active because they both fit quite nicely together, these two topics. So thank you, John, for being our special guest today. We have a little special gift for our special guest, a lucky dip that Michelle's put together full of health and wellbeing items. So we'd like you to open that if you don't mind and let us know what you've got in there because they could be things that people might want to go and buy if True. they think they could be helpful. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. My wife loves board games. <laughs> and we haven't touched on keeping the brain active, but obviously yeah. that's where that's headed, John. Yes, it'd be very valuable. It's a board game and it'll be very valuable for family get-togethers in which we're having increasing number as we get older. <laughs> Rummy, Cubs lovely. Rummy Cubs is a favourite at our house, John, so we hope yes. that you love that. Yeah, I love getting together with younger members of the family and playing board games. It's very special, I think, and I know you've got grandchildren, John, so you'll enjoy that with them. So in our next podcast, we look forward to chatting to Jackie Culver on how seniors can remain happy at home. Do you have any topics you want Kylie and Michelle to discuss? Get in touch by emailing letstalkseniors at anglicancare.com.au.